Today is Thursday, December 5th, 2019. This afternoon, the Greenville, South Carolina Police Department finally admitted what murder, etc. revealed in our last special report. The newly discovered evidence in the 1975 Rufus and Frank Looper murders is missing. The police department that found that evidence in a locked law enforcement locker now can't find what they first found. And apparently, before the police lost it, they made no copies of it. They took no pictures of it and never established a chain of evidence that would identify who last laid hands on the documents. We'd been working to get the police department to confirm or deny the reports the evidence was missing. But until today, we'd received no official comment confirming what our sources said was true. And now, with the department's admission, there are going to be state and possibly federal investigators trying to figure out what happened. Like a lot of things in this case, we're again looking at a situation in which everything seems to be backward. We'd hoped to one day produce a report called Lost and Found. But instead, this special report is titled Found and Lost. I'm Brad Willis. This is Murder, Etc. It was a little bit after 1 p.m. today when the emailed press release started hitting computers in newsrooms all over Greenville. Live, local. A few minutes later, my phone started ringing. WIFF News 4 at 6. And by the time the news came on tonight, incriminating evidence has disappeared. Something new that's now missing in an old murder case. It's just the latest twist. The word had spread everywhere. Where is that new discovery now? Recently, new evidence was uncovered in the murder of a Greenville County deputy. Um, earlier this year, the podcast Murder, Etc. brought this case back to light. An investigation into a decades-old murder case takes another turn. This is what the press release said. Police found a file folder in April of 2018. It had been locked up in an employee locker room. That file folder contained evidence that suggested people other than Charles Wakefield Jr. were responsible for the Looper murders. The police department's news release said Chief Ken Miller directed his department's cold case unit to take custody of the file folder and begin reviewing the case. And after that, the release said the department began searching through workstations, case files, and file storage, but they still haven't found the missing evidence. And after that, the release said, quote, the Greenville Police Department remains committed to making every effort to properly evaluate the information observed in the file folder prior to its loss. According to the news release, the GPD still has that 32 caliber Rossi revolver, and that gun is in the property and evidence section of the law enforcement center. Finally, the news release said Chief Miller has requested an outside agency investigation into the loss of the file, assistance in review of the case overall, and a ballistics investigation of that 32 Rossi. The release ends with a promise from Chief Miller. Quoting here, he commits GPD's full support and cooperation in the process, and in the interim is reviewing and revising GPD security, access, and file protocols and controls for his investigation division. Beyond the news release, 
the police department had no further comment. Today, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division confirmed a murder, etc. It has been asked to investigate this case. And local media are reporting. The FBI is also involved. If this is all new to you, you might need some context about why this new evidence was important. While today's news release wasn't specific about what kind of evidence the police found and then lost, Chief Miller was specific back in July of this year. It was a letter that was written. So this occurred during the Cash Williams Sheriff tenure, 40-year tenure, back in the 70s. he was replaced in the election by Johnny Mac Brown. That was his first elected term uh, as sheriff. And this murder occurred during Cash Williams, and there was a lot of question about, you know, his his behavior and, and the lawfulness of a lot of his activities and behavior. Um, in any event, uh, he had uh, more than there were a lot of parallels to recent situation. <laughs> he had more than one mistress, apparently. And so we don't know what that letter means, but there was a letter from one who said that uh, he and some of his uh, team members may have been involved in that murder and framed this individual. So when we had that letter, and it was recently discovered as we cut locks off of lockers in the shared locker room, at a law enforcement center, uh, a locker that probably hadn't seen daylight in two or more decades. In an earlier report, we told you about the retired GPD officer, Bob Burns, who said those documents had been moved from the old city jail in the 1990s, but said he didn't know how the police ended up with the documents originally. We now know today's police force found them nearly 20 months ago, and they're now gone. In July, Chief Miller admitted he was just getting up to speed on the case. I don't know all the circumstances of the case. The case file is a box, and I have not reviewed the box. Um, I've reviewed some basic facts of the case and gotten some, some fundamental briefing on the elements, or not the elements, but the case facts. Um, that relate to Mr. Wakefield's conviction. And um, it is still possible that he, that, that this information is bogus, that this information has nothing to do with anything other than a, a lover's spat, if you will. Uh, but it also, there's nothing in the case file that suggests that this letter, this, this letter was ever submitted and vetted which is a big concern and a big red flag. And so Mr. Wakefield, who has professed his innocence since the beginning, and this letter showing up 36 or 40 years later, or whatever it is, 42 or three years later, um, even though it was written in the 70s, is a concern. Now, part of our problem is also that there are a number of people who are no longer alive related to that case. Uh, but we'll pick through the evidence, and I have all the confidence and faith in the, uh, the Center for Action. So, what's a good story for a book? 
Well, there, or there's a podcast out there right now, Murder, et cetera, and yes. this reporter who's dug through the case, and he knows more about the case than I do. Uh, and, and he has he has he has picked apart the question of guilt as well. Um, but uh, but this letter uh, has it queued up and uh, for examination as cold case but as an innocence case, which is different than a trying to solve a case. So... Um, is Mr. Wakefield aware of this? No. Actually, outside of our organization, you all are in. It's possible, had our sources not tipped us to what the chief said in this meeting, no one outside the PD in that board meeting would have ever known the evidence had ever been found or lost. And no one would have ever been able to ask the question, could a sitting sheriff have ever been capable of killing a rival and framing an innocent black man for murder? If you've listened to every episode of Murder, Etc. so far, you probably already know the answer to that. And if you're just getting up to speed, here's a crash course on Cash Williams. Sheriff Cash Williams, Sheriff of Greenville County. In 1975, Cash Williams was the sitting sheriff of Greenville County. He had never worked in law enforcement before running for sheriff. He was a trucking company dispatcher. A man named Leonard Brown ran for sheriff the same year, campaigning against the incumbent, and maybe unintentionally running interference for Cash Williams. I felt like after Cash was doing all this crooked shit that I was the one that got him in. That was my damn fault, see? Got a dumb ass in that's gonna steal more than the others did, you know? I just thought to myself, now, what the hell have I done, you know? Once in office, Cash Williams hired a muckraking internal affairs officer named Ivan Nachman. But Nachman's investigations didn't go the way Sheriff Williams wanted. He's causing trouble, all right? Yeah, He's causing that. trouble. He won't indict a bunch of them. In short, Nachman thought Sheriff Cash Williams was crooked. Turns out, the sheriff's internal affairs man got too internal. He brought him in, but he didn't know he was going to find nothing. He thought nobody would tell him nothing. You know, that's what he thought. He thought all these deputies going to go along with me and not tell nothing. He brought him in for appearances. He found out the wrong things. Before long, people were saying publicly in the newspaper, Cash Williams was trying to have people killed. And Leonard Brown had tapes of people negotiating his own beating, one that several people believed was ordered by Cash Williams himself. In this radio interview, you'll hear Cash Williams himself admitting he didn't know what he was getting into when he ran for sheriff. How long have you been in office now? Two and a half long years. Two and a half long years. All right, prior to this, you, you had no real law enforcement experience, did you? That's right. 
All right, what has been your biggest surprise in that two and a half long years? Well, I think probably the fact that I was so naive to how much crime was going on in Greenville County. In short, Sheriff Cash Williams had a reputation for being a guy who didn't know how to fight crime, but was often accused of plotting to commit the worst crimes imaginable. And as for the mistresses, the sheriff had a girlfriend. Well, that was no secret at all. He'd done been promising her he'd leave his wife. Before the Looper murders ever happened. He showed them damn naked pictures of the sheriff. The sheriff's trouble with infidelity. He told her he was coming down to Atlanta. Was known all over town. Said, when I get there, the Long Ranger's going to ride again. <laughs> it's always been hard to know how much of Cash Williams' legend is only legend and how much is true. And that's why we've been careful about the kinds of stories and interviews we've played here. But as the story of the new evidence began to break, I started to think back on an interview I recorded on December 7th, 2018. But until now, I've never aired. That interview was with a man who barely had an idea about what I was working on, other than it might involve a person he once knew named Joe Benefield. Benefield was a man who came forward a few days after the Looper murders, and told police he saw the suspect running away, making sure to say the suspect was a black man. But the problem was, when Benefield told his story, he claimed to be in a vehicle in the exact same place as a man named Ed Gray, a verified eyewitness from the same day. Benefield's story always struck me as weird, somehow unbelievable, but for reasons I couldn't quite put a finger on. And then I called a guy named Wayne White, who I'd heard knew Benefield back in the 1970s. And White told me he used to hang out in his brother's convenience store, and Benefield would come in all the time. And one time, Benefield started talking about how he was helping out Cash Williams by lying. He just walks in one day and says he's going to lie for Cash Williams? I mean, just out of nowhere? Hey, yeah, he'd come in and he said, man, Cash Williams will make me a state constable. If you didn't catch that, according to Wayne White, Benefield had said Cash Williams was going to make him a state constable. There was another guy in the store at the time who told Wayne the rest of the story. Did I Benefield left? He said, you know how you get mad? I said, to me, I don't know how, how Cash Williams can give a goofy guy a state constable license. And he said, he's going to lie for him. And I said, lie? He said, yeah. He said, Cash Williams hired him to lie on that case. Said that he'd come out and saw that black guy run out of the shop. A year ago, when I recorded that interview, it seemed pretty incredible to me. But just out of curiosity, I checked with the South Carolina State Law Enforcement Division. And 10 months after Benefield gave his statement to police, he received a commission to be a state constable. Benefield held that commission for a couple of years and worked security at a local high school until he got arrested for taking kickbacks from a company that supplied coal to the school. By that time, Cash Williams was out of law enforcement and couldn't help Benefield in any way. Benefield died in the early 1980s. When I looked up his obituary, I realized I knew the name of the street where he lived. He lived on the same street as the George family, the same street where Billy George Sr. and Jr. lived, the brother and nephew to Ballard George the guy who allegedly once tried to arrange for his nephew Billy to beat up Leonard Brown for Cash Williams, and the guy who arranged for Raymond Country Small and former Deputy Frank Walker to kill Raymond Bugs Hassey. 
As I drove around Greenville today, thinking about these latest developments, I listened to some old episodes of the show, and I heard some things that stood out to me even more starkly today than they did when we originally put the episodes together. Like what Fast Eddie Williamson had said. It's still my honest belief that someone in law enforcement who knew how to really use a gun killed Frank Looper. And what Danny Jones, Frank Looper's protege, remembered about Looper's distrust of the high-ranking detectives in the sheriff's office. I mean, you could see it in his face. He was real concerned about that. And he goes, look, let me tell you something. If they ever ask you anything about what we're doing or what I'm doing or anything about me, you call me, you get in touch with me right then. You understand what I'm saying? Over the years of this investigation, we've spoken to so many people, and so many have said with conviction they believe Charles Wakefield Jr. killed no one. And Frank Looper's killer was someone he knew, maybe someone in his own department. Today, as the police look, maybe in vain, for the evidence they found and then lost, all of those interviews we did seem even more significant. Many months ago, during episode eight, A Bunch of Amateurs, Leonard Brown summed up the crimes of 1970s Greenville County in a way only he could explaining there was so much happening in the 1970s. It was very hard to see the big picture. They get into all this shit, you, you can't see all that happening on the deal. See, you can't see the whole story, which well, I was right in the middle of it, so I knew about the whole story. They all connected some damn way or another. Now, it's been nearly 45 years since the Loopers were killed. And again, we have the police, SLED, and maybe the FBI, investigating whether Cash Williams might have been responsible for killing Lieutenant Frank Looper and his father. Today, no matter what evidence is lost, found, and lost again, it's a lot easier to see how the dots could start to connect in one damned way or another. We'll be back with episode 24 and an investigation into the Charles Wakefield Jr. murder trial jury just as soon as we can. Until then, thanks for listening.